Have you heard about Salt River Automotive? Not only are we open for business and ready to serve you, we are sponsors of the BS in the Morning show on Westplex 107.1. Check us out on Facebook at Salt River Automotive LLC. See you soon. It is BS in the Morning. I am Shelly. She's Brad. Although Brad's not here right now. 612. It is a Tuesday morning. Going to be a hot one today. We had that heat advisory in effect until Thursday. Man, in the upper 90s today, so be prepared for that. Uh, lots of things going on in the news. Shelly and I will talk about as we go through the morning. Uh, one of those crazy things, um, all sorts of... <laughs> I don't even want to talk about this yet. <laughs> Shelly's Shelley's going to be mad at me. If she's mad at if she was here right now, she'd always say, I can't believe you're going to talk about that. But yes, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all sorts of crazy stuff this morning. And hopefully have some fun, put a smile on your face, uh, make you think, uh, are they really stupid or what? That kind of stuff all going on this morning. And uh, weather, we'll have the weather coming up for you. Matter of fact, the weather will be along right this very minute. Matter of fact, uh, it is exactly 613 it's BS in the morning. I'm Shelly. She's Brad. Hold on just a minute. Hello? Hey, uh, let me call you back later, okay? Okay, bye. Bye. Okay. I had to do a real quick call. That was a check the welfare call. You ever done Got those? It. You ever done those before? I have all the time. When I worked for the police department, those were the calls that we never liked to get. Yep. Because not all the time, but a... Too large off- percentage of the time. No, not even that. But too often you get a check the welfare call and officer would go check on someone and they were dead, which was always sad. You know what I mean? You know, yes, I do. Yeah. Anyway, uh, won't, won't, we'll move on from that. Uh, 643. Uh, okay. <laughs> I found it. Okay. You ready for this? Here, let me just play yeah. this. Let me play this. Okay. Can you listen? Listen carefully. Okay. Listen carefully. I want you to listen carefully. You're going to listen carefully to this? Yep. Oh, wrong thing. I played the wrong thing. Hold on a minute. Let me let me this is what this is what I wanted to play. This one right here. Oh no, I played the wrong one. Hold on a minute. Let me try to get the right one. My neighbors never talk to me anyway because they think I don't own a bra. You're doing this on purpose. I, I played the wrong one. Hold on, let me find it. Here I think this is the right one. What does the fox say? <laughs> Okay, no, here's the right one. You ready? Okay, listen carefully. Mm-hmm. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Did you hear what she said? This is how we say this is a sophisticated vaccinated mm-hmm. no, she crowd? No, says, she says this is going to be safe. This is a, Here, I'll play it again. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Okay, do you know who that is? I have no idea. Her name is Annie Carney. And she's a journalist. We put that in quotes for the New York Times. She's a journalist, okay? And she's defending Barack Obama's birthday party before he has the birthday party. Essentially, she's saying they're a sophisticated crowd, as opposed to the people in Sturgis who are unsophisticated. Who are unsophisticated. <laughs> They'll probably be more COVID, COVID cases now, from now, Barack Obama's birthday party than there were... Um, Sturgis. Let's do a little flip test, okay? If this New York Times reporter had not been at the uh, Barack Obama Christmas or birthday party. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. And keep in mind, she was interviewed before the party. This was a journalist. This is, the, this is like someone saying, 
hey, well, let's interview Tony Messenger. And Tony, hey, Tony, it's Tuesday. Tell us what's going to happen at the county council meeting on Wednesday. And he was, well, at the county council meeting on Wednesday. And I go, like, Tony, how can you say that? It hasn't happened yet. Okay, she's essentially making a comment about a party that hadn't happened yet. She's being interviewed by Jim Acoster on CNN. And she's making excuses because he said, he asked her, he said, well, isn't this uh, sort of bad uh, optics that uh, Barack Obama's having this birthday party and there's all these people invited and, uh, you know, the COVID scare and the whole bit. And she said, you know, once again, this was before the party. She says, this is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Okay, let's do the flip test. And let's say instead of this being the Barack Obama birthday party, it was the Donald Trump birthday party. Do you think that lady from the New York Times is going to be saying, it's going to be safe. It's a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. No, she's going to be saying, this is horrible. Donald Trump should stop, should stop having this. That's why I give up on journalism. Because once again, she's a journalist who's telling you, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. They're sophisticated. And you and I are just like unsophisticated boobs, right? Yes. <laughs> Plus the fact, well, one of the news stations... You know, they're, one of their taglines is tomorrow's news today. Which is sort of interesting because tomorrow's news today, which is sort of like, okay, are you guys making this up? You know, are you saying like, okay, let me give tomorrow's news today. Tomorrow's news, it's going to be hot. <laughs> well, when I heard that, I'm like, hmm. Well, are you talking about Tracy Station, who's yet to go on the air? You know, once again, she said July well, that 5th. that will be tomorrow's news. <laughs> then she said July 5th, then she said July 12th, and then the 19th, and then the 26th, then August 2nd, then August 9th, and yesterday it's still not on the air. So I'd be scratching my head. And but yet, and yet we had the other guys, the three, the, 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 the refugees who actually blew the door off the transmitter site. You know, you know exactly where that's at because we stopped at that transmitter site, remember? Yep. Yep. On the way up to Quincy, we stopped at that transmitter site. And yep. they will always have Quincy in their VW microbus. They they got out. They put C4 explosive on the door. They blew the door open. They reprogrammed the audio. The Schwarzbach 3502. Everybody should have a Schwarzbach 3502. That's one of the best audio codecs you can buy. Uh, and they blew the door off the transmitter building and switched it. So now we have 941 in uh, St. Charles County. So and Tracy's still not on the air. And I and you know what? She doesn't even talk to me anymore. She's mad at me. You know why she's mad at me? Why? I got her into this and she now realizes that it was a huge mistake. Don't even get me started. <laughs> For reals. Don't get me started. Oh look. Uh, Six forty eight. Oh, we we didn't go long enough in this break. It's because I don't want to go break too early because it'll mess up the clock. So we gotta talk a couple more minutes. Okay, so okay. so so Going back to the New York Times reporter, who before the Barack Obama party is on CNN saying, This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Don't you? I mean, I guess when I heard that, I thought to myself, Wow. If you know Barack Obama, Obama, you're sophisticated. If you don't know him, if you're not invited to his party, you're schlub like, you know, you and me, right? I don't know. That, that, yeah, I didn't get invited to his party. Well, but, but then Dr. Fauci is like, is like, is like you know, banging on the, the Sturgis crowd. I mean, you've been to Sturgis before, right? You no, I have not. We you, were going to go. I thought you said you and, went one year. Um, one no? of the parentals got sick, so we couldn't. We couldn't go. Okay, here's my question. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's someplace in Sturgis, South Dakota, right? Isn't that where it's yep. at? Yeah. Okay. They say there's there's seven hundred thousand people there. How in the world do they have enough hotel rooms? Or is it, people camp out? They and stuff don't. Like that? People actually rent out their homes. Yeah, but there can't be seven hundred thousand homes. 
Let's say there's two people, you know, two people per per rental unit. Okay, that's three hundred fifty thousand. They there's, rent out their yards. So people they rent out their homes. People camp and things like that. I'm sorry. People camp. Yes. Really. Yes. I don't know. Okay, how do you feel about this? This is today's today's. Or yesterday it came out yesterday. The pageant, Delmar Hall, and Off-Broadway, all, all requiring proof of vaccination or navid, a negative COVID-19 test for admission. You can't get into the pageant or Delmar Hall or Off-Broadway unless you have proof of vax or a negative COVID-19 test for admission. I don't blame them. I think that's fine. You think it's okay that, that if you bought a ticket and you remember I told you the story how the guy at the pageant wouldn't let me in because I had salad dressing. Remember? No, I had I had olive oil. Remember did I tell you that story? No. I used to carry this little bottle when I was on my one diet. You, I You ha- did. I, car- I remember that. I carried a little bottle of of, of a, what they called it, a flip cap bottle. A little you know, had a little you know thing you push down in one corner the the top and it opens up the spout and and you know, I car- carried olive oil with me, okay? So I go, I can't remember why I was there. I was there by myself of all crazy things. I was there. Somebody invited me, some event. I can't remember what it was. And I went to the pageant and the guy literally pats me down. I mean, does like, like, you know, police pat down and he hits my pocket. Oh, what's this? And I, I guess my, it's my olive oil. And it looks at me, olive oil. Let me see it. I pull it out and he goes, sorry, you can't get in. I go, it's olive oil. He says, how do I know that's not some chemical? I go, because watch this. And I open the thing up and I, you know, put some on my my finger and I stuck it on my tongue. I go, if that were some nasty chemical, well, I've just done that. He says, sorry, can't let you in. I go, I got a ticket. He says, sorry, don't, can't let you in with that. I go, what do I do? He goes, I don't know. So I went outside. <laughs> right Did there. Did you throw it? No, right there in Del Mar. There's this planter box, you know, with some like plants in it. So I, mm-hmm. I squirted out my olive oil into the planter box. <laughs> so you could keep your little bottle. Right. And I went back up. And the guy says, I told you, I can't let you in. I go, it's not, doesn't have doesn't have olive oil anymore. And he goes, how can that be? I go, check it. And he looks at it. He goes, okay, you can come in. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> olive oil. You know, <laughs> and I heard something yesterday. I'm thinking to myself. What? Yesterday, this was on NPR. They were talking about people. Hey, what's it like since you're traveling again? And they had these interviews with these three people who were like like frequent flyers. They like have a job where they're on the road like, you know, two, three days out of the week. And they're flying here. They're flying there. And they interviewed one guy. Well, it was so, so I got out of the habit that let me tell you how bad it was. I walked up to the TSA screening site, you know, the pre-board, the, the, this TSA screening, and I had a full water bottle with me, and I still had my belt on. Like, okay. So, in other words, what you're saying is you forgot that that the TSA dudes are going to make you take your belt off and you can't have a water bottle? I mean, how do you forget stuff like that? I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is bogus. Nobody forgets stuff like that. I, You know, I haven't flown in, you know, well over a year. I mean, probably well over two years. Now that I think about it, I think the last time I flew was to Las Vegas to the end. I can't remember when when it was. It was been a while ago. And still, when I go to the to the to the you know, if I go to the airport this morning, I know well I can't take a water bottle with me. I can't you know I I always leave my car keys. You know I I have one special car key ring that has one car key on it, which is the key to my to my vehicle. I take all the rest of the keys and I put it you know I stuff them you know under the seat of my my truck. 
you know, I don't have a water bottle with me. I don't have any change with me. I don't have my little pocket knife with me. You know, I mean, I'm going like, I only fly like once in a blue moon, and I know that. And, and then I had a lady come on, and she says, yeah, and I forgot that, that I could not wear my whatever she had. My, I wear this special jewelry, and it always trips off the, the metal detector, and I forgot that I had that on, and blah, 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 blah. And they said, well, how often do you fly? Well, I used to fly two or three times a week, but I haven't flown in like a year, and now I'm flying again. I forgot how you do go TSA. I'm going like, come on. Come on. This is a bogus news story. Nobody forgets that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's not necessarily accurate because the last time I flew, I had this. I, You know, nobody dresses anymore when they fly. Well, they, no, they wear, it used to be um, they wear, like a, uh, oh, yeah, they used a to, big deal. Right. Women used to be like all duded up and men had their yes. suits on with ties and hat and the whole bit. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's not like that anymore. I like personally like to dress up. So it's winter. I'm going up to see my Elbiff, and I had um, I'm flying up there actually, and I had this skirt, and it was the most adorable skirt, but it had little metal studs. Oh all my over God! It. You're in TSA hell with that. I was. <laughs> I could not believe that I wore. I even told him. I said, I cannot believe. I do do not know. What in my little mind told me that this was going to be a good idea to wear this skirt today? You know, you know, if if I go down to St. Louis County and I have some dealings in St. Louis County and now, God, it's gotten so bad in St. Louis County with with Dr. Page. If I go into the administration building, which is which is like just a a madhouse now, um, I have (laughs) I have a certain getup that I wear. Okay. I don't wear my boots because you know what you know what happens if I wear my boots. Even if I don't set off the metal detector, they make me take my boots off. I'm going like, okay. okay. I didn't set off the metal detector. Well, we, we want to make sure you don't have something stuffed in your boot. I go, you mean like this gun? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> so I have this whole routine I go to when I go to places that I know I'm going through metal detectors. I take off my belt. I slip into my little, which you saw for the first time. I, I have nothing but boots except I have one pair of athletic shoes. What do you call them? Cross trainers, whatever the heck they are. I call them Denny Puffs. I have one pair of, and that's what I wear. And I strip down to the point where I take all my keys out. I take all my change out and the whole bit. And every once in a while, I still set off the metal detectors. And I'm going like, I don't know what I have on me. And the guy wants me and never finds anything. I'm going like, maybe that's the steel plate in my head that keeps my brain in. That could be, I think, what it is. That could be, or the snaps holding your hair down. It's not snaps, it's Velcro. It's 6.56. BS in the morning, I'm Shelly, she's Brad. Web address for the radio station is westplex1071.com. Uh, other station is krap.website. Uh, we're still trying to get KSLQ back online, but so far the internet gods have not been good to us. So we're working on that. Anyway, 7.07. Right, Shelly? Absolutely. Shelly, <laughs> I get these goofy surveys People send, uh, uh, um, you know, goofy surveys to me, like Wallet Hub is the one I get all the time. The this, the country's best blah, 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 whatever it is. Okay, here's one. I don't even know who. Let me see what this John Schmidt. Okay, here's the title. 2021's best cities for surviving a zombie apop- apop- apocalypse. Let me try that again. For surviving a zombie apocalypse. Okay. No, you can tell this is sort of BS from the beginning, right? Okay. Right, and he's what? Jack is his brother. 
Yeah, he doesn't know Jack Schmidt. Right, okay. So, very good, Shelley. <laughs> so, the idea being is, wouldn't you think that in a list of cities that would survive the zombie apocalypse, it would be someplace where there's a lot of guns and a lot of dudes that hunt? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't yeah. you think it would be like Texas, you know, like cities in Texas and cities in Alabama where everybody's got a gun and everybody hunts? The southern part of Missouri. Mm-hmm. The number one city in the country, the best cities for surviving a zombie apocalypse, the number one city is Huntington Beach, California. Okay? That's interesting. What are they <laughs> going to do? Use harsh, harsh language? No, no. Here, it gives out, it gives the explanation. Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. If any U.S. city has what it takes to beat an army of hungry corpses, it's Huntington Beach, California, our number one best city for surviving a zombie apocalypse. Turns out Surf City, USA, is more than just your average California beach town. With a high share of healthy residents, especially those who took up jogging the past year, number 26 in those metrics, strong protections, number four, and high mobility, number 20, this city is best prepared to deal with a wave of zombies. In the movies, Huntington Beach would be the city where the baddest zombie butt-kickers would establish a survivor's colony. Better start mapping your journey towards Surf City if you fear the walking dead. Okay, have you ever been to Huntington Beach, California? I have. No, it's, it's, I haven't. It's like it's like Surf City. It's like a hey, well, it's like what, please? Surf City. Hey, gnarly. Oh, n- like hey, dude. <laughs> gnarly wave, man. Oh, look, there comes a zombie. Let's go over and talk to him. See if he'll see if he's got some some smokes. You know, you know what I'm saying? Hey, man. Hey, zombie. Do you blow? Do you smoke? Hey, come on. Oh, he hit me. <laughs> Huntington Beach, California. Okay, here's the rest of the list. Uh, when was the last time you were there, though? Um, Twenty years, thirty years. It's, it hasn't changed much. It's like it's like Venice Beach. You know the you know twenty the, years, thirty years. How yeah, long? Yeah, probably. You know what the problem with Venice Beach is now? Venice Beach was Brand. like Muscle Beach. You know what the problem with Venice Beach is right now? It's invaded by the homeless because they don't enforce any of the law, the, the homeless laws. People, you know, they're they're sleeping everywhere. You know. Okay, number two city is Bellevue, Washington. Okay. That's a suburb of Seattle. Okay? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bellevue, Washington. Okay? Think about that for a minute. Number three is Alexandria, Virginia. Once again, they have very strict gun laws in Virginia. I question that one. Number four is Minneapolis, Minnesota. Number five is Vancouver, Washington. I thought it was a Vancouver, British Columbia. Anyway, anyway. Number six is Seattle, Washington. Number seven is St. Paul. Okay. Here they got... Minneapolis is number four, and St. Paul is number seven. That would be like having St. Louis is number four, and East St. Louis is number seven. It's the same place. You know, there's a river. You go between the two. It's like the same thing, okay? Uh, Number eight is Fort Collins, Colorado, which is the home of WWV. Did you know that? Uh, I did not. Number nine is Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and number 10 is Hollywood, Florida. I say I call bogus on this list. I mean, that's Why? because those are all wimpy ass places. That's, they're not like the tough. I mean, like I would if someone said, hey, if the zombies were going to attack, what city would you think they would not attack? Because it would have the roughest, toughest people. It would all be cities in the south. It would be like, you know, Birmingham, Alabama. Or, you I know, don't think zombies are very um, I don't think they think about where their next food source is going to come from. 
So I, I don't think that well, they would be. But this is this is for surviving. Really care where this they is, started. This is surviving a, a a zombie apocalypse. Okay, surviving, which means you'd have to fight them off. Okay, and I hardly believe that a bunch of surf surf dude and dudettes in Huntington Beach, California, are going to fight off the zombies. First off, you know I I I won't say who it was, but I had a a someone that was a very sophisticated professional one day and his assistant as opposed to the rest of us <laughs> normal people right they were like oh they were, hold, on, hold on a minute <laughs> this is going to be safe this is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd yeah the barack obama crowd. yeah anyway <laughs> anyway his his assistant told me there's a side about you that you don't know and i go what's that well he believes in the zombie apocalypse i go what <laughs> and she says yes He's prepping for the zombie apocalypse. And this is a guy with an advanced degree, shall we say, a medical degree who has a doctor in front of his name. Okay? I'll just leave it at that. I won't go any further because I made further identify him. And and I even said to him, hey, so-and-so told me that you're, like, getting ready for the zombie apocalypse. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah I think it's going to happen. I'm ready. They can, they're not going to get me. I'm I'm ready. I go, really? <laughs> I'm going like, if there were a hundred things that you told me I had to get prepared for in my life, the zombie apocalypse would be number 101, you know, maybe number 201 or 301. It's like, I don't believe people think this is for real. You know what I'm saying? I can't say anything about zombies because I don't necessarily know if I don't believe in them or, or if I do. How do I know you're not a zombie? How do I know you're not a zombie? <laughs> I am a zombie. <laughs> I'm a zombie, all right. Okay, now, here, of course, we have to have the worst. Okay, now, this is what I don't get. These are the worst cities for surviving a, a zombie apocalypse. These are the top 200 cities. Number 191, Bronzeville, Texas. Number 192, San Bernardino, California. Number 193, Enterprise, Nevada. Number 194, Palmdale, California. Number 195, Lancaster, California. Number 196, Mesquite, Texas. See, I would think that would be a good one. You know, Mesquite. I bet you there's some tough dudes in Mesquite. 197, Salinas, California. Number 198, Sunrise Manor, Nevada. Where in the hell is that? Number 199 is Jackson, Mississippi. Number 200 is Laredo, Texas. Once again, another city, what I would think <laughs> would, be, uh, would be, you know, tough ones. Here we go. Only Enterprise Nevada managed to rank in the top 10 of any category. It finished eighth in vulnerability due to the natural hazard preparedness, number two, and the one of the highest numbers of the hospitals per capita. The Las Vegas suburb is well positioned to contain a virus outbreak, but it won't be able to defend itself when patients start to run. And you know what's interesting? That, what? That is the wrong name of the city. It's not, it's not Sunrise Manor, Nevada. It's just Sunrise, Nevada. I'm going to look that up because I'm a nerd about stuff like that. You know, I, you are. I know this crazy. That's because of that whole worthless journalism thing you have. Uh, I know this crazy story because of the fact that Sunrise, Nevada, Sunrise. Yeah, Sunrise, Nevada. What are you doing? Hold Sunrise. There, there, there is there is a Sunrise Manor. Sunrise Manor. Uh, Sunrise Manor's unincorporated town, Clark County, located in the western base of French Mountain, uh, east of Las Vegas. Population was 180. It used to be just called Sunrise. That's called Why don't we? Sunrise Manor. Anyway, 
Um, see, that's the interesting thing about Las Vegas. When you go to Las Vegas, you go on the Strip, you're not in Las Vegas. Did you know that? I did know that. Because I told you that story. And I've had people say, that's not true. I heard you talk about that on the radio. When you were, when you were like, you're telling me when I meant like, like uh, you know, uh, all the big casinos like the MGM and I'm like Mandalay Bay, I'm not in Las Vegas. No, you're not in Las Vegas. You're in Clark County. You're in unincorporated Clark County. That would be like you saying you're like at, uh, I'll pick a spot. You're like at 94 and and are 364 and Mid Rivers Mall Drive. And and if you said, well, I'm in St. Louis, no, you're in you're in St. Charles County, and there are spots right around that area that are unincorporated St. Charles County, part of that area, just like where you live. You live near there. You live in unincorporated St. Charles County, right? Correct. And yes. if someone said, you live in St. Louis, would you say, yes, I do? No, you'd say, well, actually, I live in the St. Louis Depends area. Depends on where they were from. If they were from another city, you'd probably say, yes, if- I live in St. Louis, right? Yes. Right. That's why I'm always weird about the fact that and I and the smartest woman in the world always jumps my case when I read these stories like you know like like Valley Park, Missouri, and I'll go like, hey, people outside the area don't know Valley Park, Missouri. They don't know Kinlock. They don't know they don't know Ladue. They don't know uh, you know Berkeley. They don't know. Or they everybody knows Ferguson. They think they know Ferguson. By the way, you yeah, know, right. yesterday, yesterday was the seventh anniversary of Michael Brown. The, the whole thing was it really seven years. And tonight would have been the seventh year anniversary of me showing up in Las, uh, in Ferguson to do my journalism thing, and me inadvertently being on CNN. <laughs> you were on CNN. <laughs> it was a weird story. I'm was that a- when you were wearing your trash bag? No, 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 no. The night after, the Monday after the shooting, and it was on a Sunday in in Ferguson. Okay, I decided it's time for Brad to be. He uses journalism degree. So I grabbed my recorder and my camera and a bunch of other stuff, and I went to Ferguson. And I parked, believe it or not, on the parking lot of the Quick Trip. And already things have gotten dicey because what was happening was there were probably, I don't know, 150 police officers, county, state, municipalities, uh, and they were in the, and remember the, the quick trip, they burnt the quick trip down. So the quick trip was closed and it was just like barely left with a quick trip. It was there. It was all charred and whole bit. And the police were on that side of West Florissant, which would have been the West Florissant goes north and south. So that would have been the east side of West Florissant. And the protesters were on the west side of West Florissant. So every once in a while, the protesters would walk across West Florissant and block traffic. And the police would come out of the parking lot of the quick trip and they would stand in the middle of the road and they would face off and then the protesters would back down and they would go back and the police would come back. So I'm standing around and I'm, you know, taking pictures and stuff like that. And I get a call from someone I know saying, where are you? I go, what do you mean? Where am I? Where are you right now? Tell me exactly where you're at right now. And I'm saying, well, I'm at the quick trip in Ferguson, the one that burnt. And it was like, I don't believe it because why was that? This person's sister had called this person and told them that I was on CNN and I didn't realize I'm on CNN. They got a crowd shot of the crowd going back and forth and there I am right in the middle of the whole deal with my recorder and my camera taking pictures, interviewing people, stuff like that, talking to the police and I was on CNN, didn't even know it. I I remember uh, when you were down there. And once again, part of the reason was there was stuff going on there that nobody reported about. That's at, true. At the at the quick trip, there were protesters, but there were also partiers. And there was a guy who I talked to, him and his girlfriend, 
had a little little portable grill set up, and they were cooking. They were cooking cooking dinner, and I interviewed them. I go, "What are you doing here?" Wow, we decided it'd be a good place to come and hang out. So we brought our brought our grill, and we're, we're cooking some steaks up. Okay, are you upset about what happened yesterday? No, not really. We just thought it'd be sort of fun place to hang out. You know, we're going to be able to say to our kids, "Hey, we were here one day." I'm going, "Okay, that's weird." <laughs> and then there's another. People. It's not too weird. Well, but there, you know, once again, you think about when you you think about people who are showing up like this. They're there to they're to protest. No, they were there to party, and there were a lot of people. I went to Ferguson. I don't know how many nights when that was still going on. There were people there to party. I was there the night the Monday before the verdict came out, in November. The Monday before when the verdict came out, and what's the say? Bob McCulloch said there was no charges, blah, 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 and, and, and the Darren Wilson had, had acted in self-defense, yada, 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 and the people went crazy. I was there. I saw stuff. I saw the police, you know, like cowering, and it made me sad because they were told to stand down. I was there when they were burning down buildings, and the police department didn't show up. The fire department didn't show up. Nobody showed up. They're in their ride. They're in their, you know, breaking through plate glass windows and torching people's businesses and stuff like that. You dialed nine one one. Guess what? Nobody showed up. That's you know, not true. It is honest to God true. Honest to God true. They stood down. The police stood down. They were nowhere to be found on West Florissant that night. And remember, they called in the National Guard. And the National Guard. You know where the National Guard was? I can tell you there were three places they were. They were at the airport. Why they were at the airport, I don't really know. They were in downtown Clayton because, remember, they said they were going to, everybody boarded up the windows in Clayton. They were going to trash Clayton. And I know a friend of mine who was in the National Guard, and you know where he was stationed? I can tell you exactly where he was stationed. His station was on West Florissant, just north of the railroad tracks. Do I know my place around Ferguson? Just north of the railroad tracks on the northern edge of the Emerson Electric uh, headquarters, which is right there in West Florissant, right across from the old Northland Shopping Center. And he was guarding an Ameren UE substation. And there was also a contingent of of uh, National Guard who was guarding the Ameren UE substation, you know, the power station, right there at West Florissant and Chambers because they had gotten wind of the of, of, of someone was saying that they were going to, people were going to go in there and they were going to short out they were going to throw like metal pieces of conduit into the the transformers and short out the electrical grid there so the power would go out and they could just, you know, there would be no lights on. They could just do whatever they wanted to do. So that was the National Guard. You talk, I remember driving home that night listening to a guy on Camo X. They had him on the air, one of the reporters. He was doing a live shot. And he was he was he was he was talking about another thing that I had I'd left by that time. And he's talking about he was on West Florissant. They, he, and you could hear the glass breaking. Well, there's a bunch of guys just walking up to the store. And you, know, whoosh, you hear the glass break. And, you know, and people back at the studio going like, are there any police there? No, no police. And then you, he said a bunch of people just ran into the store and they stole all sorts of stuff. They're looting the store. They're looting the store. Now a guy ran in with a can of gas. And they're, they're, drowned, they're, you know, they're, they're pouring gas on all the stuff in the store. Now they just light the place on fire. It's on fire. It's on fire. He's on the air live saying this. And the people back at the studio saying, well, are there police there? Fire there? They didn't respond, Shelley. They were told not to respond. 
all hell broke loose. They broke. They burnt the car dealership. There was a car dealership. There were two of them on, on there on West Florida. Matter of fact, once again, everybody talks about Ferguson. It was in Delwood. You know the difference between Ferguson and Delwood? A street. Well, <laughs> Delwood is north of Chambers. <laughs> Anything south of Chambers is, for the most part, Ferguson. Anything north of Chambers is Delwood. Okay? They burnt a car dealership. They probably burnt. I got pictures of all this. I was there the next day. You know, and well, I know EMS was running, but nobody else was. They were told to stand down because they were afraid that there would be a confrontation and and police would shoot somebody. And they were told to stand down, stand down. And now the crazy thing about it is, you ask any officials, you ask Jay Nixon, and they'll all say, "Nope, we never said that." You ask the cops, I know some of them; they've told me, "Yeah, we were told to stand down. We were told not to intervene." We were told that unless we saw someone who was in great physical danger of possibly being you know, severely injured or murdered, we were not supposed to intervene. A police officer told me that from his lips to my ears. Okay. Once again. 725. I was there. I know you were. And it was crazy. And I'm thinking it to myself. Crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, once again. This is nice little Ferguson, little area, never going to be the same. And yesterday they have the new mayor. She comes on TV and she goes, yes, we're, we're still fixing all the, the ills in Ferguson. <laughs> you know, I don't quite get it. I, don't, I still don't understand it to this day. What? Once again. I mean, the stuff that came out of that, hands up, don't shoot, never happened. Never was said. Why? And yet people are like, well, you know, the police, they killed that guy. Yeah, after he tried to grab the cop's gun, they proved that. And once again, they brought in, this is when Barack Obama was still the president. They brought in, you know, the, the FBI. They brought in the Department of Justice. And everybody came to the same conclusion. He tried to grab the cop's gun. The cop told him to get on the street. He got nasty with the cop, reached in, tried to drop, drag the drop. Let me try that again. Grabbed the cop's gun. The guy tried to charge the cop. The cop shot him. Okay. You don't believe me. I said okay. If I get pulled over by a cop this afternoon and I try to grab his gun, what's going to happen to me? Oh, you'll be killed. <laughs> right? Or, or at least or at least whacked a few times over the head with his flashlight, right? You know? I mean, yes. once again, it's one of those things. It's like, you don't do that. You know, you walk into a police station with a gun. Guess what? You're going to get shot. You know, it's one of those crazy things. You know? I mean, imagine if you showed up. Like, there's certain things like, if you showed up in an army base and you tried to, and you, you know, like if Scott Air Force Base, if you, if you, like, if you've been over there before, if you tried to ram the guard, the guard station, you, you know, there's a guard station where they check you. If you tried to blow through that guard station, guess what? They're going to shoot at you. That's what they do. That's their job. You know? Yeah. So you don't do that. You know, once again. If I'm going to ask out Katy Perry on a date, you know, I know I'm going to get shot down. Just one of those things. I know certain things are going to happen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Katy Perry? Yes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uncle Brad? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, then I, I want to... I am Uncle Brad. I'm going to date her. You sure do have a pretty mouth. I'm going to date her, and then I'm going to kiss her, <laughs> and then I'm going to say, I kissed the girl, and I liked it. Okay, it's 727. BS in the morning. It's Westplex 107.1 and AM 1350 KRAP, soon to be KSOQ. Soon as we get the internet fixed, uh, that should be back up and running again. 732, 
Shelly, we're going to have a party. You know what? Why? And we're going to have a big party, and we're only going to have certain kind of people show up. Um, only vaccinated. What kind of people were they? This is going to be sophisticated safe. This people. Is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. That's the part we're going to have. But yes. you know who won't be there? Who's that? What What his name is? His name is Donald Gorski. Who's Donald Gorski? Donald Gorski is my idol. Okay. Donald Gorski is in the Guinness World Book of Records. For? He has eaten over 32,000 Big Macs. He's my hero. <laughs> He was originally, he's been in the Guinness World Book of Records since 1999. Uh, in, the original entry was he, I can't remember how many Big Macs he had then. Now, 22 years later, in 2001, and this is on the official GuinnessWorldsRecords.com site, he's eaten 32,340 Big Macs. He lives in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Um, officially verified for his Big Mac feat in the late 90s, has been consuming an average of two Big Macs a day since 1972. He says why he can't get enough. He involves involves eating two Big Macs burgers per day, meaning a, to a grand total of 14 a week. Well, it is two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. His first Big Mac, and he, he has this he has records of all this. His first Big Mac was on May 17th, 1972. He got his first car, and he said that he went to McDonald's. And at that point in time, he ate up to nine Big Macs a day. Yowza. <laughs> He, he, he keeps track of every single burger he's eaten since that day in 1972. In fact, he has every container along with every receipt organized in boxes and pouches by the year. He even marks when he That's gets them. That's not true. I, I'm, I'm reading it right here. He even marks when he gets them on a daily calendar to keep tabs on his frequency. And there's a picture of he's got like a display of every single Big Mac box they've had since they started out and they started out remember they came in the foam little little foam yep, clamshell kind I of things that. he's got a display of every single big mac box through the years uh matter of fact big macs even play a role in his relationship when he was dating his now wife mary she would sometimes bring him a big mac as a surprise with Aww. and get this now here this is what i say and you know i i'm the guy who lost Recently, what, 33 pounds eating nothing but fast food? And people go, yep. uh, how do you do that? How do you, me, 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 me? Okay, now, here's what's interesting. He says the same thing I go. I say all the time. As one can imagine, Donald takes Big Mac consumption quite seriously. And he has kept track of blah, blah, blah. In fact, he has every container. I read it already. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. With 563 calories per sandwich, many wonder how Donald is able to maintain his health while consuming so much fast food. Donald says his secret is mainly eating the two burgers per day as his general meals and skipping out on the French fries. Even with over 30,000 Big Macs in his system, Don still has a great blood sugar level, an exceptionally good cholesterol level, and walks about six miles per day to maintain his health. You know, That's what's doing it for him. He's got grandkids. He even passed down the Big Mac passion from generation to generation, taking pictures with his granddaughter Serena, trying her first Big Mac. 
Aw, it's like a generational thing. Get this, many people around the world who have heard Donald's story have written to him and sent him their McDonald's collectible items knowing he will appreciate them. Most are vintage from several decades ago. There's some money involved in that. I told Yes, you th- there is. I told you the story of, uh, and it's it depending upon uh, uh, who he knows. It's weird because the guy's name is either Fred Ciccelli or Nick Ciccelli, depending upon when you met him. He's a Fred or a Nick. For part of his life, he was a Fred. For part of his life, he's a Nick. And depending upon what part of his life you met him in, he's either Fred or Nick. Uh, a guy I met years ago in um, Spartanburg, South Carolina, drove to his place. And he, at the time, owned three McDonald's. And he took me to my, my – I told you the story, but this guy has, has two passions in his life. He worked in fast food since he was 14. And when he was like 16 years old, he said, I'm going to own a McDonald's someday. And one point in time, he owned like six of them in Florida, sold those in Florida, then moved to Spartanburg, South Carolina, bought three of them. His other passion is he is an avid um, John F. Kennedy memorabilia collector. And he has an exact replica of the limousine, the Lincoln Continental limousine that Kennedy was killed in in Dallas, which has been in the movies and been in a lot of different things. Anyway, his two passions in life is collecting Kennedy memorabilia and collecting McDonald's memorabilia. So he takes us over to his house, my son and I. First off, we get into the presidential limousine, and he drives us around in Spartanburg, South Carolina. He had, at the time, either a cassette player or an 8-track player in the glove compartment, and he had a speaker in the grill, and he would play... So he's in front with a chauffeur's cap on. My son and I are in the back of this stretch Lincoln Continental limousine, which, you know, like no top. It's, you know, you remember the pictures of of Kennedy. There was no top on that limousine. And we're driving through the streets of Spartanburg, South South Carolina. He's got the presidential theme playing. My son and I in the back waving at people as they're waving at us. Okay. Then we go back to his house, and he shows us one part of his... He got this monstrous house. Must have been like five, 6,000 square foot house. I'm not exaggerating. Huge basement, and all fixed up. Part of the basement is where he keeps his John F. Kennedy collection, and part of the basement is where he keeps his McDonald's collection. And he's got stuff. He gave stuff to my son. He gave stuff to my son when they first came out with the red scoop of French fries. That was a big deal, because for a long time, the, 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 the French fries were in that little plastic like envelope or not like plastic little paper envelope that you opened up yeah. and you put okay yeah. then they, they then they came out with the red scoop that had like the you know the the big order french fries yeah he gave my son not one two of these brand new in the box that were radios that when you put the batteries in them and you played the radios you played the radio the fries moved and danced exactly the french fries danced okay they moved okay so then he takes us over in another part of the basement and there's not one not two but three Big, monstrous boxes, like big boxes, like, you know, like six feet long, four feet tall. And I go, what's in there? He says, you want one? I go, what's in it? He opens the top. It's the Ronald McDonald on a park bench with his arm out. So you can sit on the park bench next to Ronald McDonald. Looks like he's got his arm around you and people take their picture. Remember those? I do, actually. He's going to give me one of those. And I couldn't get it on my truck. Because we were hauling some equipment at the time. I don't know. I think the son would have been left behind and put on <laughs> an unaccompanied minor. <laughs> I left my son in Spartanburg. Where? Yeah, I could get back home. My wife says, "Where's Brett? 
I left in Spartanburg, South Carolina. I brought back. Yeah, I brought, he's on an unaccompanied minor <laughs> plane on Southwest. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> he's flying back because this guy gave me this this Ronald McDonald bench with Ron, and and I I said I said I said the time he was Fred. I said Fred, I'd love to have that, but I can't get it on my truck. And I go, let's try. So we tried, we couldn't get it on there because I have to drive back from Spartanburg, South Carolina, which is a long drive. So I left it there, thinking to myself, God. If there's things in my life that I could do over again, one of them would be I'd go back and I'd, I'd like like Shelly said, I'd send my son back. Uh, but see, that wouldn't have worked anyway because I couldn't get it. was so big I couldn't get it in the cab of the truck either. I couldn't get it anywhere. God, that was cool. And he had that stuff. That had to be cool. Oh, my God. He had stuff you wouldn't believe. Oh, I mean, I would believe it. I went to, I remember as a kid going to the very first McDonald's up in 367, right across from the North Drive-In. I haven't been up there in a while. Is the drive-in still there? You know, he's Where? up in 367, up in Jennings. You know what I'm talking about? That was one of the very first McDonald's. The very first McDonald's, there, was, there were two of them in North County. There was one on 367. There was one on Airport Road in Berkeley, and there was one down in Watson, someplace down in... in, in, in um, St. John's? No, one on Watson Avenue in, uh, what's that down there? Crestwood, someplace. On, oh, SoCo? Yeah, it was, it, was down, it was down on Crestwood. I think it was not too far down the street from the old Casey Studios. Um, and those were the three McDonald's in St. Louis. Those were the very first three. And to the point where, you know, I mean, God, I can still remember that. That was a big deal, going to McDonald's. You know, and to this it day, was. I eat I eat fast food morning, noon, and night. That's all I eat. And even to the point where our, do- our doctor and people going like, oh, my God, how does blood get through your veins? Aren't they all clogged up? Okay. I saw my doctor early this year. Because I couldn't talk. Some people says I still can't. Some people say I still can't. But after I got my second vaccine, my brain went weird. Remember that? Yes, I do. And my brain did go weird, remember? I was, qu- I was quite concerned about that. <laughs> my brain went weird. It really did. Uh, so anyway, I, he, and, I, and I told him, I, he says, listen to me, you lost a lot of weight. I go, yeah, I've eaten nothing but fast food. No way. Yeah, true. So he does, he listens to my heart. Because what I was somewhat concerned was that my heart rate had gotten very low. You know, and when you get old, your heart rate goes up. Mine's gone the other way. My heart rate, resting heart rate, sometimes is less than 50. I've been down as low as 45. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I, he listened to my heart. He says, sounds good. He did an EKG on me, not that day, but not too long before that. And he said to me, you know who has heart rates as low as yours? I go, no. He says, marathon runners. You're in great shape. <laughs> so I have the heart rate of a marathon runner. Because that is true. That if you're a long-distance runner, if you're, a, you know, like someone who does, like, works out quite a bit, your heart rate goes down. Because people who are not in good shape, their heart rate goes up. Because their heart has to work harder to keep that blood pumping because the heart gets, you know, the heart not as strong. So I got a strong heart. Now watch me fall over dead this afternoon of a heart attack. Really? <laughs> you just need to take that back. And Seriously, people, people you can't go, put stuff like that out in the universe, Brad. That's like the you story. Just can't. There's a story I put up on our Facebook page or my Facebook page about the the, the I think the guy's name is Dick Farrell, the talk show host from Miami. Have you heard this story? No. Who was, oh, we'll do it next break. We got to take a break. Oh, this, like, this is one of these crazy weird stories that's like, okay, how in the world is that going to happen? And it did. And, and, and essentially, it was like what you say, it was karma. 
It was bad karma, bad juju for this guy. Bad juju. 7.44. BS in the morning. It's Westplex 107.1 and AM 1350 KRAP. Those are the two stations we're on right now. I'm Brad. She's Shelly, right? Is that correct? That is correct. Jimmy Allen and Brad Paisley. Brad Paisley is such an incredibly, so is Jimmy Allen, but Jam, uh, Brad Paisley is an incredibly talented musician. That guy can play the guitar. I mean, he's probably one of the top guitar players in the country right now. Have you ever seen him in concert? I have not. Oh, my God, the guy's incredible. I mean, if you've seen, you've watched these. He, you know, he was the first, uh, the first um, um, act, was it, I think, a week ago Friday? Not this past Friday, but a week ago Friday. He was the very first uh, one that reopened uh, Hollywood Amphitheater. That very, oh, was he? Yeah, very first concert. And they said there weren't, well, weren't a lot of people there. God, the guy's so incredibly talented. You know, I, I'm, I'm envious. I told you before, I do nothing good. Everything half-assed is that's with me. Okay, what was I going to talk about this break? Remember, I was going to talk about something this break. You didn't believe me? I don't know. There's <laughs> been several things that I haven't believed you on today. Are you calling BS on me? Yeah. I will tell you something for real. We want to uh, welcome a new sponsor to the show, Pez, uh, Pest Control, P-E-Z-Z. Yes. And if you want to find out more, easy website, gopez.com. That's P-E-Z-Z, G-O-P-E-Z-Z.com. We got Doug the Bugman on here. Doug the Bugman has a sense of humor. Uh, and even though they have a sense of humor, their commercials are somewhat humorous, they're serious about getting the bugs out of your house. Bed bugs, mosquitoes, ants, even like varmints in your lawn, moles, voles, all sorts of crazy stuff like that. Pez can take care of it. Pez Pest Control, G-O-P-E-Z-Z. Pez, two Zs. GoPez.com. Check it out. Right? And they do things right. Yes. And uh, they have a great logo. And Doug, They really do. Doug the Bugman. <laughs> Doug the Bugman. Okay, I've never met him before. Um, what's he look like? Tall guy. Uh, he'll, he'll, I'll have uh, who Doug the Bugman. Yeah, you met him. I'll have a picture of him up on my Facebook page today. Okay, cool. Uh, and he literally is the guy. He's not like some actor that's paid to be like Doug the Bugman. He is Doug the Bugman, correct? Yeah, he is. He is the Bugman. Yeah. Yeah, he goes and he chases those bugs around, and well, he doesn't chase them. He eradicates them. He get yep he, he does he shows no mercy on those bugs the bugs go he just please not. please don't don't spray me oh, I'm dying help me help me <laughs> like like the fly <laughs> goofy stupid movie with Jeff Jeff Goldblum whatever there's a whole generation that doesn't know what I'm talking <laughs> right, about right right <laughs> yeah Jeff Goldblum yeah you're right exactly right people are like what's she talking about no he's talking about. Okay, hold and on. And that's not the original one. That's not the one I grew up on. Right, right, right. It's different. Okay, I gotta get, get synced back up here again. Hold on a minute. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, that's taken care of. Okay, so you can't remember what I was talking about before you rudely interrupted me, like you normally do. <laughs> I didn't rudely interrupt you. Oh. It was called a break, Brad. Jimmy Allen, the guy, the song we just played, Brad Paisley. Jump back a couple of spaces here. Jimmy Allen, if you want to see what my body looks like and what my arms look like and you want to see my you know the kind of guy I am Jimmy Allen looks a little bit like me that's all I say if you look at that video and you see Jimmy Allen he's got pythons like for biceps this guy is like strong and Jimmy Allen called me up one day and said Brad how do I get to look like you I go Jimmy you got to go to the gym like me you got to be a gym rat you got to live at the gym like me you got to you know pump that iron and do those push-ups and do all that cardio and maybe someday you'll have 
a body like mine and a heart rate of only 48 like me. But up until- Because you're so zen. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> if I say I'm going to die this afternoon, Shelly, you'll go, well, I can't believe you said that. Yeah, you really need to stop that. You just can't. You can't. <laughs> You cannot oh, put oh, stuff oh, like oh, that oh, out in the universe which reminds and not me, expect I rem- some kind of backlash. I remember what I was going to talk about. Dick Farrell. Dick Farrell. This is what I'm going to talk about, okay? Okay. Dick Farrell. He's a talk show host in Florida. And you know what's interesting? If you put anything on your Facebook page that has anything to do with COVID-19, Facebook automatically puts this thing, COVID-19 vaccines go through many tests. They put these stupid things, automatically put junk on here about COVID-19, okay? Yeah. Here's the yes, story. Dick Farrell, for over a year, has been saying, yeah, that vaccine's no good. It's stupid. It's a scam. You shouldn't, you shouldn't take that, you know, it shouldn't take that, that vaccine. It's, it's a government scam. Guess what? He died. What? He died. And guess what he died of? COVID? Yes. I'll read you the very first paragraph. Conservative talk show host Dick Farrell, a vocal opponent of the COVID-19 vaccine, has died due to complications from the disease. Farrell started his radio career at WVIP in Manchester, uh, Wichita, New York, blah, 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 blah. Last month, Farrell was still rallying against the vaccine, posting social media, vaccine bonus bull poo-poo. Uh, two peeps I know I got vaxxed, now have corona, hospitalized critical. Thank you, Moderna, for nothing. In late June, he posted, so you think it wasn't a scam, Demick? Not one, uh, not one elected Democrat ever tested positive. Upon contracting the virus, Farrell apparently changed his tune. He said, COVID took one of my best friends, uh, Amy Lee Hare, a friend. Anyway, it, so this guy was like anti-vax on the radio, anti-vax. He was on Newsmax, uh, News, yeah, Newsmax TV. Uh, is that right? Newsmax TV. Yeah, he was a reporter for Newsmax TV, former uh, CBS uh, radio um, guy, worked for Hubbard. Um, matter of fact, get this. This is one of his ex-bosses saying, talking about Dick Farrell. Dick was flamboyant, outrageous at times, and willing to take on any and all comers. He loved to engage with local politicians and pulled no punches. Was he right all the time? No, but he was right all the time, especially if you asked him. Did he stay out of trouble? Not always. He was great with clients? Yes. Was he a pleasure in the building? Absolutely. Was he loyal? Unquestionably. Was he skilled? Yes, sir. His passing is a big loss. He was a kind-hearted person with a load of passion, and his memory will stand the test of time. We have all lost a good friend in Dick Farrell. That was one of his ex-bosses. Isn't that a great, a great way to sum up someone's life? It I, is. I mean, I mean, look at what he said. Was he right all the time? Yes, but he was always right all the time. Did he stay out of trouble? Not always. We like people getting in trouble, right? Was he great with clients? Yes. Was he pleasure in the building? Absolutely. Because I've told the story. There are lots of people in this radio business that if they work, like I won't mention names, J.C. Corcoran, but it's to the point where people can't stand to be in the building with him because he's always yelling at people. He's always, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know you, nobody, nobody can do anything right. You know, if you read, like, his Facebook posts, it's like, rant, 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 rant. He goes blah, to, blah, blah, he goes blah, to blah. McDonald's and gets order wrong, wrong, and he writes three pages on his Facebook page about that. I went to McDonald's today. You know what happened? I ordered a hamburger with three pieces of onion and two and a half pickles, and I got three pickles and four pieces of onions. It's terrible. And then they put ketchup on my my, my hamburger, and they didn't wrap it right. They, they're supposed to wrap it from left to right, but they wrapped it from right to left. That's J.C. Corcoran. 
Okay. So um, it's 7.58. We need to get off here. That's what she said. <laughs> anyway, everybody have a great day. It's a Tuesday day, and um, it's going to be magnificent. Don't you agree, Brad? Yeah, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. Yep. Hot. Hot. What is it? Chilly today and hot tamale. That's right. There you go. Okay, we're done. Have Se- a great day, everybody. 758. Peace. Bye.